Thoughts in Action, the podcast of your total quality assurance provider, Intertech. I am your host, Seth Martin Wick, and today our topic is good manufacturing practices for maintenance in the food industry. Before we begin, I would like to mention our upcoming FSSC 22000 webinar, which will cover the FSSC 22000 Food Safety Management System Standard and extension of scope to catering, retail, and transport and storage. This webinar will run on November 29th at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, and the link will be in the description of this podcast. Now, without further ado, here is this week's episode of Assurance in Action. Today, I'm sitting down with Patricia Atherton. Patricia is the lead auditor for FSSC 22000, ISO 9001, gluten-free, and high-risk SQF auditing. Patricia has extensive experience in food safety management and quality management systems, including several years with Intertech. Would you like to tell us a little bit more about your experiences, Patricia? Sure, sure. So I have a master's degree in industrial engineering, and I actually started in the food consulting. I am originally from El Salvador, so I started over there. When I came to the States in the 90s, I was working for a major frozen foods manufacturer. And at the time, they were talking about, you know, GMPs, but not as much as we are now. After that, I uh, worked in the electronic business, and I became acquainted with the ISO scheme at the time, 9001. Uh, then in 2010, I started working for a dairy manufacturer, which they were seeking certification for the food safety management system under the FSSC 22000 certification. So I became pretty knowledgeable about food safety, HACCP, GMPs, and, and everything that is required to become certified. I started working with uh, Intertech in 2013. I started as a contractor. And then in 2014, I was hired full-time. Ever since I do audits, I have also provided training, pre-assessment audits, and the various schemes, including FSCC 22000, which includes the ISO 22000 and the technical standard in both food producers and packaging producers. I'm also certified on SQF, on high-risk, various codes, level one, two, and three, and also do uh, gluten-free in ISO 9001. So that's that's pretty much my my uh, experience with Intertech at this point. Awesome. So today our topic is going to be good manufacturing practices for maintenance. Now, GMPs for the food industry are very rigid. They're very important. Now, there's a history with the FDA and them issuing these common GMPs. Could you give us a little bit of background on the history with that? Sure. And uh, I'm not an expert by any means, but the good manufacturing practices started for the pharmaceutical industry. But in the 1900s, there were too many issues with food and uh, poison and, you know, adulterated food. So, uh, Congress passed the Pure Food and Drug Act in 1906, which is, was one of the first times that it was illegal to sell contaminated uh, food or, or, or meat at the time. So for the current GMPs, actually, came in 1979. So the, the GMPs have various titles, and 
the one that we're interested since we are in the food industry is the uh, 2021 CFR part 110, which is the actual good manufacturing practices for the food industry. And that was finalized the way we see it now in 1979. So at that time, then a lot of regulations against adulteration, correct labeling, obviously a series of requirements were put together. So that's in a rough, you know, again, I'm not an expert, but that's, that's pretty much how the good manufacturing practices for the industry started. And obviously just recently because of the uh, Modernization Act, the Food Act Modernization Act, that was uh, updated, which is pretty much uh, about the same, but with a little bit more requirements for certain areas of, of the food industry. That's, that's pretty much it. Okay. With that being said, with more of a concentration on maintenance, so with these current good manufacturing practices, what would be the consequences of really not following one? Let's use maintenance as a specific example. What would be the consequences of not really following one of those practices? Yeah. So the good manufacturing practices in general have to do with uh, a lot of what is going on, you know, in a manufacturing environment. Maintenance is, is just one of them. So by following, so good manufacturing practices have in mind, it has to do with your facility, obviously, the sanitary conditions of the facility, Mm -hmm. your documentation, how well is the documentation, whether it's just a procedure or more importantly, your records are managed. Uh, It has to do also with uh, general people practices, individuals touching the food, working in the machinery, in this case, if we're thinking about, in general, maintenance group, if I'm out there, I'm taking care of the facility, I'm taking care of the uh, equipment, I, I touch a lot of the environment that it could, if I don't follow good practices, contaminate the, the product. How? Well, maintenance touch equipment. So when they are doing uh, preventive maintenance or a corrective, uh, maintenance. They have to make sure that, first of all, they have to document everything that they do. That's one of the practices because later on, you don't want any problems related to uh, a food contamination. Then once they're done with the uh, project, uh, whether it's a preventive or corrective, they need to make sure leave the piece of equipment or the area in a sanitary way, in a, you know, hygienic. It has to be clean, no parts left behind, all the tools accounted for, all the parts accounted for, because all that eventually ended up in food. So Mm -hmm. following good practices is everything. Documentation, the actual job, following up, the use of, uh, we call it temporary repairs. We can sometimes, but it's not, you know, recommended. And what are we saying with, uh, what are we talking about temporary repairs? Well, use of wires, use of tape, to hold something instead of a bolt and something more permanent. So in general, maintenance is very, very important within a food facility to prevent cross-contamination. So that is very important for everybody to understand that they really play a big role within the food safety. 
Sure. So a little bit more of a background on the implementation of these practices. Could you go into the cost, time, resources, responsibility that falls upon these situations? You can use specific examples if you'd like. But for example, who would be responsible for taking care of something like that? And what are the company's resources used in that? Sure. Um, In general... You have to understand once you, if you have a a brand new facility, let's say, that you are going to process food, the first thing to take care of your environment, that's part of the GMPs. You're going to understand, you know, what kind of equipment do we need? What kind of facility are we going to uh, be producing this particular product in? Your ceilings, your floors, your drains, everything has to be design in a hygienic way and a lot of uh, the that 21 cfr part 110 is going to tell you what is expected so the uh, the regulation itself the guidelines itself are there this is what you need to produce safe products as far as yeah it's going to require a lot of resources uh, financial resources human resources infrastructure so think about you know, you're brand new and you are just going into a, a food business. You're going to, if you started from zero, yeah, it is, it is it is a cost associated, but that's, I mean, that is required for you to start a business like this. If you are within the, the food industry already, and obviously you should have all this implemented, but if you go and look for a certification, meaning somebody's going to come and tell you, yes, this complies with, you know, the current GMPs, then you have to show that all that is designed in a way that it will not contaminate your product. Whether, for example, type of equipment, uh, when you are talking about food contact sur- uh, surfaces, you need to make sure that those surfaces are hygienically designed, it most likely will be stainless steel, which is one of the uh, materials that is very used in the food industry. Or a belt that is gonna transfer grains, for example. Everything has to be um, food grade. The belt, the equipment, the materials that you use, they have to be food grade. And there are guidelines for all that. So, Yes, when you are implementing something like this, it's going to be, uh, if you don't have it already, but hopefully if you are part of the business already uh, or a, a set business per se, you should have all this. Um, as far as maintaining it, obviously maintenance plays a big part, but documentation, for example, a lot of these has to be written in SOPs, procedures that the operators uh, working in the food industry need to know forms to fill out. So all that has infrastructure, you know, it's documentation infrastructure has to be set up because the records become very important. If you have a problem, if you have a recall, or if you just have to show that you're following the procedures, then you have to have records to do it. Um, Important stuff when you have a kill step in your process, for example, pasteurization, as an example, you had to make sure that all your records are showing that, yes, you are pasteurizing this product 
to the required levels, to the required temperatures and so forth. So all that maintenance obviously is gonna require human resources, infrastructure, uh, maybe programs, a lot of uh, software out there to do all this. Depending how you go about, those sources have to exist either prior or to update any kind of food safety system. Uh, as far as putting a, a dollar amount, you know, all depends. All depends. There are a few companies there that have people in charge and, and they hire specifically to maintain these, these uh, GMPs. But overall, it's, it's everybody's really responsibility. Once you train people, you, you talk about it, it is responsibility of everybody to follow the good practices. Absolutely. It definitely seems like a group effort when it really comes down to it. It's about company culture at that point. Um, what what situation specifically have you uh, seen where uh, manufacturing practices or lack thereof have hurt a business? Do you have any specific examples in your experience? I haven't seen personally. Um, I'm glad that every facility that I have visited and I have audited through all these years, I haven't had to close anybody down. <laughs> um, so, you know, once you get into this business, you have to know what you're getting into. So I haven't personally seen a situation, although you don't have to go too far. You can go to the FDA website and see how many recalls there are, whether they are voluntary recalls or the FDA actually has provided a letter. And if you read quiet, the majority of them are because the facilities have been found dirty or, you know, the FDA goes and does swabs on the uh, equipment and, and finds salmonella or E. coli. I can't think about a specific example, but if you see recalls because of E. coli, because of salmonella, most of those have to do with bad practices in the area of cleaning or personnel that maybe didn't wash their hands. There are a few that have been investigated or, okay, there is something found in the soil, for example. But fortunately for me, I haven't, you know, I haven't visited a facility that is in the brink to, to close because they're dirty. Um, obviously, these people that I visit are certified to a particular standard. They know what it takes to continue having that certification. But truly, you can see the in, within the recalls. And, you know, there are fewer recalls nowadays, but still, uh, you can find those that cause an area is dirty or bad practices with the employees. Again, I can't I can think about an exact example, but uh, there is a lot of information out there. Definitely. I mean, it, it seems like every day you see, you know, one product's getting recalled, another one's back on the market. It seems like a constant flow. Yes. What would you say the expectations of a small business to uphold these practices? One that's either just getting started or one that's been going for a little bit, but hasn't really committed that much to, you know, large scale production, that type of thing. You know, the uh, GMPs are going to be uphold to everybody, whether you're small or big, because, uh, whether you're small or big, you're producing something that is going to be consumed by human. Obviously, small businesses, they will have maybe just constraints on the type of requirements that they have to put. For example, most of the businesses that I visit, 
probably they have a little bit uh, weak spots in the maintenance area just because they're so small and they don't have really a maintenance uh, crew on site but they rely more on contractors but uh, then again you know it's up to them to say yes i don't have a, a maintenance crew on site but i'm going to require from this contractor the same thing that i would require from my on-site uh, employees so they have to follow the same good manufacturing practices when they are on site you know i call it weakness just because they don't report to them and sometimes that is an issue but again, it's up to the business saying, you know, if you want to do business with me and if you're going to come and take care of my facility or my equipment, these are my requirements. But uh, it's going to be the same whether you are big or, or small. Obviously, the food has to be manufactured in a hygienic environment. Definitely. As a consumer, I think that that's one of the most important things anyone could ask for is, you know, no, no detriments to your health in the process of, you know, consuming. As someone who is starting a small business, where would I go for resources? Who would I talk to? Like, where would I start in this process? So, you know, you can start for the actual review and the, the good ma- uh, manufacturing practices and the FDA is uh, documentation out there. You can also get somebody that has uh, uh, experience in the area. A lot of consultants out there, certification bodies often provide a pre-assessment. For example, Intertech, when somebody wants to uh, get certified or started in the process of understanding how their business is against the food safety requirements out there, you know, there are pre-assessments done. And that is, is a good information because as a certification body, you know, depending on what standard you're after, there are just a few that the uh, GFSI, Global Food Safety Initiative. Yes. Um, so you can ask for a pre-assessment understanding, what do I need to get certified? And you don't have to seek big certifications. You can certify your GMPs only without going into the FSC or 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 the SQF, but uh, just understanding if your GMPs are, are close to or compliant to the FDA requirements. So there, there are a lot of resources. So consultants, certification bodies, FDA, those are just some of the resources that are out there. Okay. So thank you for coming on. It's been great speaking with you. Very insightful, very, very educational. Glad to have you on. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in again to another episode of Assurance in Action. If you would like to learn more about Intertech services for the food industry, including GFSI recognized standard auditing and food testing, please visit intertech.com food. Again, if you're interested in learning more about the FSSC standard, uh, the link is in the description of this podcast. As always, please remember to subscribe on whichever platform you listen and rate us five stars. Your reviews go a long way. Thank you again.